If you pull out your message notes, we're in this series that we've titled Next. And with this, the concept of the series, the basis of the series, is that we all have a next step in our spiritual journey. There is something that God has for each and every one of us. I've been a pastor now for almost 20 years, and I have a next step in my spiritual journey. There is something that God has for me. I've not achieved it all. I've not gotten it all. There are areas that, that areas of growth in my life. There are areas of opportunity in my life. Every one of us has a next step. One of the keys to the Christian life is being able to identify the next step and build a plan to go after it. And it's not just necessarily in one area of your life. Many of us have next steps in many areas of our life. Next step in our marriage, next step in our parenting, next step in our relationship with God. There are next steps throughout our life. And we're giving you some keys on how to take those next steps, how to identify the next steps and really go for it. If you look at the second page of your notes today, that is what has been in your worship guide for the last two weeks. And it's just a great prayer kind of journaling experience where you can seek God over those areas of your life and really ask God, God, what is next in this area of my life? And then journal it out. And God, what is, area, what is next in this area of my life? And then journal it out. And I would encourage you with just a week left, spend some time. If you've not had a chance to do that second page yet, it's identical to the last two weeks. If you've not had a chance to do it yet, spend some time this week in prayer and really ask God for some next steps. Today, I want to give you another key in how we are successful at taking next steps. Because oftentimes, next steps involve life change. We have to change areas of our life to take a next step. We either have to let go of things in our life, we have to embrace new things in our life. And one of the keys is, is what we call biblical thought control. Like, how do you control your mind? How do you control your thoughts? And, and not just, you know, in a secular, you know, new age type of way, but in a very biblical way. And here's why. If you think through the pivotal moments of your life, if you go back throughout your life and you look at the turning points in your life, the, the, light, the moments were, were just pivotal, where you, you just kind of made a major course direction in your life. If you look at every one of those moments in your life, every single one of them proceeded with a thought. It was a thought that came first, and the thought was the catalyst for that major life change. I remember when I first surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I was at a place in life where I felt hopeless. I felt given up on. I felt like I, I was worthless, like I didn't matter, like I had nothing going for me. And all of a sudden, one night in my dorm room in college, I had this thought. This thought came into my head, and it was, give God one more chance. Well, honestly, I resisted that thought for a little while because I didn't think it would matter. I didn't think it would work. But this thought kept rolling around my head, give God one more chance. So I made the decision to go to this church and give God one more chance. And my entire life was changed through that experience, but it all began with the thought. And after I'd surrendered my life to Christ, I still struggled with my identity and my self-esteem and, and did I matter and could I really do anything for God? Maybe it was enough just to try to get into heaven, but actually living for God, that's kind of a stretch for who I am and my past and my background. And I remember every single weekend, my pastor, Tommy Barnett, in Phoenix, Arizona, every weekend, every time he would see me, he would look at me and say, I believe in you. You're going to do great things for God. You're awesome. You're going to change the world. Every week he would speak life into me and he would speak encouragement into me. And over time, I began to believe 
what he was saying. And all of a sudden, my thoughts began to change because I would begin to believe and I would begin to think about what he was saying and what he was saying over my life began to take hold of my thought life and all of a sudden, my life began to change. And I began to dream and I began to get passion and I began to get drive and I began to get motivation, but it all began with a thought. The truth is your life is marked by how well you control your thoughts. Let me put it like this. I'll never change my life until I change the way I think. I'll never change my life until I first change the way I think. Life change does not begin by doing. Life change begins by thinking. And this is exactly what the Bible teaches. The wisest person that ever lived, King Solomon, in his reflection of life and in the letter he wrote Ecclesiastes, he says this, wise thinking leads to right living. So it's the thinking that precedes the behavior. It's the thinking that precedes the life change. It's, it's the thinking that precedes your actions. And then he says, stupid thinking. I love the way the Message Bible puts things. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. So what I want to do today is the first half of this message is going to be theology. We're going to talk about you know, the mind and thoughts and, and what the Bible says about it. And then the second half is going to be very, very practical. Give you some things you can actually take home and apply in your life. Here's the first thing I want to say. Everything begins with a thought. Everything. Every choice, every decision, every action, everything in your life begins with a thought. What you do well right now and what you don't do well right now, they're all fueled by your thoughts. So you have to change your thoughts before you change your behavior. I'm going to give you one of my personal disciplines, and, and I get it right most days. There are a few days where, you know, sometimes maybe the baby gets up early and, and it kind of disrupts my flow or disrupts kind of my pattern for the day, but most of the time I get this right, and I'm telling you, it has an impact on my life, and when I don't get it right, I feel it. And here's a discipline that I would encourage you to, to consider or to adopt, is I am very, very strict and very careful to guard my mind for what I allow into my head the first hour of the day. Like, I, like I, I'm, I'm, this is a big deal to me. I'm, I'm passionate about first things. And so the very first hour that I'm awake, I'm just very careful to guard what I allow into my mind. That's why the first hour, I like to you know, turn on some worship in my office. I like to read the Bible. I like to make sure that... <clears throat> what I'm fueling my thought life with the very first hour of the day, because I really believe what you put into your brain the first hour of the day, it makes a big difference throughout the day. And so I'm just very you know, cautious about what I allow in, because I'm telling you right now, you know, our phones and you know, our iPads and all the technology we had, they, they're a blessing in many ways, but they can be from the enemy too. Because I tell you, man, when I wake up and I grab my phone to see what time it is and, and there's a text message on the screen, if I'm not careful and I kind of look at that text message, all of a sudden it throws me off because I'm now trying to read my Bible, but I can't get my mind off of what just you know, happened in the text message or what emergency just popped up or what situation is going on. And now I'm distracted, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm trying to read, but it's just not working. Like I'm not, I'm not connecting because my mind is somewhere else because I allowed that text message or that email or something else to get in before I really spent my time with God. And so I'm just saying it's, you know, be, be careful what you allow in first. You know, the first portion of the day, you know, I would guard yourself from news and 
media and messaging and social media and emails and really just say, God, I'm going to dedicate the first hour to allowing you to fuel my thought life for the day. Everything begins with a thought. And this is how God's process works. God's process begins with a thought. You want to change? Look what Romans says. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. Excuse me, but let God transform you into a new person. So how does God transform you? How does he change you? How does he change your behavior? How does he change what's going on in your life? by, By changing the way you think. It all begins with a thought. It changes the way you think, and it changes your behavior, your life. Here's the next thing I want to say. What we think determines how we feel. What we think actually determines how we feel. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, no, the way I feel is, is because of my spouse, or it's because of this person. I feel this way because of what they did. I feel this way because of my boss. I feel this way because of my teacher. I feel this way because of the economy. I feel this way because of the market. That's why I feel the way I feel. No, not at all. The way you feel is because of the way you think about those things. It's all about your response. I mean, think about it. We live in the very same world that everyone else lives in. And we're going through the very same circumstances that everyone else is going through. How come they're reacting differently than we're reacting? Because they're thinking about what they're going through differently. See, it's not the person that offended you that's making you feel the way you feel. It's the way you think about what they did that's making you feel the way you feel. Your thought life begins everything. And it's critical to understand this. It's critical to make sure you fuel yourself with the right thoughts. So I'm going to give you a challenge, and I rarely do something this big. Now, I know there's, there's times where I challenge you, especially when it comes to like being in a group, because that's for your sake, and we're passionate about you, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. But I want to give you another challenge today. And, and, and this may be big for some of you, but I want you to consider it. And here's what I want you to consider doing. Starting tomorrow until night of worship, I I want you to consider taking the next five days and just eliminating as much as possible media and technology for as much as possible, like the news, movies, Netflix, TV, killing people on Fortnite, just as much as you possibly can for the next five days Eliminate just all kind of secular influence, secular music, just all of that media, like a soul fast for the next five days. And the key is what you replace it with. So what I want you to consider replacing it with is worship. Consider replacing it with God's word. Consider replacing it with just just time spent with God. And look, I'm not asking you to do this as any type of offering to God or sacrifice of worship or, you know, kind of a, a spiritual, you know, thing in your life. I'm asking you to do it as a test. I'm asking you to do it as an experiment because I want you to prove the reality of this verse to be true in your life. I want, I want you to, I want you to practically see that the Bible works. Paul says in Philippians, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And here's the result. The God of peace will be with you. And there's nothing I want more for you than that. 
Look, I cannot make the circumstances of your life go away, but as your pastor, I can lead you to something that can give you peace in the middle of the circumstances. And so what I want you to do is take the challenge and prove that this works. I want you to find out for yourself, experiment on yourself, and see whether or not this verse will work in your life. See if you just take five days off from all that media and all those video games and all that influence. See if you don't feel better about yourself and your outlook on life and no social media and have greater peace with God. Just, just experiment with it as a result. So I've already asked our team, no social media this week on, on in any of the church. You know, there's gonna, not going to be any church Instagram this week or church Facebook, except for the prayer meetings on Facebook Live, but there's going to be no posting this week. Like all of our social media is going dark this week as a church. And I've asked the worship team to make sure our Spotify playlists are updated with all of our 21 days. So you can go to Coastline Spotify's playlist and you can get all the songs that we do in prayer so that you can kind of Put them on and just experience something different. Like, like think about something different for five days and see what it does to your overall state of mind and peace. Take the challenge. And then here's the last thought. Our thoughts determine our destiny. This is why it's critical to get control of your thoughts. Your thoughts will determine your destiny. Many of you have heard this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle, sow a lifestyle, and you will reap your destiny. If you don't like where you're going right now, you've got to change your thinking. If you don't like where you're heading, because you are right now today where your thoughts have brought you, and you are going tomorrow where your thoughts are going to take you. And you may say, well, this sounds like a bunch of like positive teaching mumbo jumbo. This is like very kind of new ages. No, the Bible teaches this. Paul says in Romans 8, those who are dominated by the sinful nature. So if you've got behavior in your life you don't like, if you've got things you, that you don't want to do and, and, and things that you're struggling with, the reason is you think about sinful things. It, it's all your thought life. What you think about determines the course of your life. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. Telling you right now, if your thoughts aren't going the right direction, you're going to experience death in different areas of your life. And it's not going to feel good, and it's going to be unpleasant. You're going to be miserable. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. And again, this is what we want for you. So put it to the test. And let me give you five practical steps that you can apply, things that are very, very tangible that you can actually do to learn how to get control of your thoughts. And here's why. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, we live in the world, but we do not wage world war as the world does. So we don't fight the way the world fights. We don't deal with things the way the world deals with things. And then I love what he goes on to say. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is what I want to teach you how to do. I want to teach you how to take captive every thought. I want, I want to teach you how to make those thoughts obedient to Christ. So five very practical steps today. Number one, you've got to find a plan to control my thoughts. I have to find a plan to control my thought life. What does that mean? Well, some of us are being fed bad thinking. Some of us willingly feed ourselves bad thinking. And can I say, for, for a lot of us, it's primarily through the internet. It's what we're, what we're dieting on through the internet. 
well, why don't you make this the year, especially for the men? 2019, where we're not going to be a lone ranger anymore on the internet. We're going to get some accountability. We're going to get some filters on our internet, and we're going to get some people who love us to kind of help us and monitor like what, what our internet life looks like so that we stop feeding ourselves this negative thinking, this, this really demonic thinking, this thinking that is leading all sorts of you know, destructive behaviors in our life. Let's get some accountability. Why don't we kind of monitor our diet on television? Why don't we monitor our diet on Netflix a little bit? What am I feeding my mind with? What, what am I dieting on? What am I consuming? Because could it be some of the reasons you're feeling the way you're feeling is, has to do with your diet? Like, like we, think, we think this way physically with our food and, and our body. Why don't we think this way you know, mentally with our mind? You know, what the food you eat is going to determine how you feel. Well, the food your, your mind eats is going to determine how you think. So let me give you a very practical key to really, you know, fighting this a little bit. Read the Bible. I mean, plain and simple, read the Bible. You know, one of the powers of the Bible is it'll replace all of that, that negative thinking, that, you know, just, just really demonic, wrong, sinful thinking. It'll replace it with life-giving thoughts. It'll replace it with something that's powerful. Why? Because the Bible lives in breeze. The Bible is not like any other book. It's not like just some old history book with pages filled with ink. The Bible is living and it's breathing. Now, I can't, I can't logically explain that to you. It's something you have to experience. But when you begin to read the Bible through the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, it's like words are jumping off the page into your spirit. Things are glowing. It's highlighting. It's just feeding you with life. This is what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, the Word of God is living. It's active. Like it's breathing, it's moving, it, it does things inside of you as you read it. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes. And as you read the Bible, it says, don't think that. The Bible will tell you, don't think that way. That's not healthy for you. That's not the best way to go. That's, that's not, that's not, it's not going to help you thinking that of the heart. So one of the things like... I like to say is don't, don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. Use the Bible as a mirror. Like when you read the Bible, use it as a mirror and see if, you, see, see if you're reflecting the right image. You know, because what will happen as you read the Bible, you're like, I'm not reflecting what I need to be reflecting right now. I need to make some changes. And to me, the best plan, if you don't have a plan of action for reading the Bible, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to join us with the one-year Bible. The one-year Bible, to me, is the best plan out there because it's a well-balanced diet. You get a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, a psalm, and a proverb. It's like, it's like all of the key essentials of the Bible in one day's reading plan. And it, the average reader takes about 15 minutes a day. You can read through the entire Bible in a year. We have, we have the reading guides outside. You can pick up one. They're online. You can download them. It is just, to me, one of the healthiest Bible plans to read, and the key is you don't get legalistic about it. If you miss a day, forget it. You'll get it next year. It's the same plan next year. Like so many of us get so discouraged, like I'm 33 days behind. I don't know how I'm going to catch up. Don't catch up. Just read each day that day's reading. I'll tell you the truth. I, I read the Bible every single day, but there are days where I don't get all four reading plans done in one day. And, and so I just say to myself, you know what? It'll be there next year. 
It's going to be the same chapter next year. I'll catch it next January 6th, and we'll, we'll get it again. Just read every day. Do, do the plan as best as you can, but if you miss like, like one of them, and you may be saying, well, I don't have 15 minutes a day. Well, just read the psalm. It's about five minutes. Well, I don't have five minutes. Read the Proverbs. It's one sentence. I mean, you can at least read the Proverbs every day in the plan. Now, this is why as a church, we're so passionate about the study Bibles that are now available in the cafe. Now, we have free Bibles at the Info Center, but I would encourage you, if you've, you know, one of the best things you can do is invest in a good study Bible, something that you'll cherish, something that you'll appreciate. And I'm really proud of our church because we've been selling out every single week over there. Like I talked about a Bible last night, it's already gone. Um, the archaeology Bible, the one I really like, you know, one of my favorites, the one I use the most, uh, they just got a new stock. So if they sold out on you a couple weeks ago, it's now available again. I'm telling you, having a good study Bible, you know, I love you reading on my iPad. I love the convenience of that. But I will go to my study Bible every time if I have the option. Like sometimes when I'm traveling and, and I don't want to you know, take a stack of large study Bibles, I'll bring my iPad and I'll read my one-year Bible on the iPad. But when I'm at home, there's nothing like actually being able to open those pages and turn those pages and being able to underline and highlight and write notes. It's one of the best things you can do for your journey is to invest in a good study Bible. It's powerful. It's powerful. Here's the second practical step. Find a place to think my thoughts. Find a plan and then find a place, a place, like a safe place to process your thinking. What do I mean? At some place during your day, you have to take some time and you need to quiet the world's volume because how many of the world is loud? There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of noise. You've got to quiet all of that and you need to put your focus on God. So here's the way I say it. Have a daily conversation with God. Just have a daily conversation with God. And yes, I'm talking about prayer, but oftentimes the word prayer intimidates people. You know, I meet people all the time that say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, you know, talk to God. Well, you know, you obviously don't have any problem talking, so why don't you just try that? Like, just have a conversation with God. Just talk to Him. Tell Him what's going on. Ask Him for help. Share your day. Slow your life down a little bit every day so that you can have a conversation with God. And let me say this. God would rather hear one sentence from you than nothing at all. Like, if you're, if you're at the point where all you can say on your way to work is, you know, God, help me today when I get to work because I've got these challenges going on. I could really use some wisdom and just thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, if that's all you have time for, God would rather hear that than nothing at all. Just start a conversation with God. And when you spend time focusing on Him, that's what prayer is. Prayer is focusing on God. Here's what will take place. Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Do you want perfect peace in your life? You have to spend some time every day focusing your thoughts on Him. Prayer is giving God the things that we can't carry. There's so much in my life that is bigger than me that I can't carry. I say, God, I need you to carry this. That's why Paul says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about all things. He goes on to say, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Let me just say, if you don't spend some time every day thinking about the things of heaven, you're going to be really, really low on the peace meter. You're not going to have a whole lot of peace in your life. You're not going to be experiencing God's peace if you, don't, if you don't slow down enough every day to think about the things of heaven. Here's the third practical step. 
Find a person to stretch my thoughts. You've got to find a plan. You've got to find a place. Now you need to surround yourself with the right people. You need the right voices speaking into your life. We need, we need God's people. It's part of God's process for healing and growth in our life. See, the way God operates is the Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive you. So if you've got areas of your life you know, that you're struggling with, God will absolutely forgive you, but it's not God's job to stop you from doing that again. God set up a different system. He says, you need my people. When you go to my people, when you get around the right people, then you can have healing and growth and freedom in those areas of your life. That's what the book of James teaches us. So if you really want to change any area of your life, then you need to have the right people speaking into your life. And so the way we say it, and you've heard it time and time again, is get in a small group. What is a small group? It's intentionally choosing the right people to speak into your life. It's surrounding yourself with the right people. It's surrounding yourself with healthy people who are going to help you and speak life into you and encourage you. And it does not have to be a group of Coastline Church. Like, honestly, you just need a group of Christians in your life speaking into you. We'll help you find it here, but if you've got one, great. It doesn't have to be one. It's not about us building some type of program in our church. It's about you having the right people speaking into you for your sake and for your faith journey that you're on. And we launched these groups in just a couple weeks from now, and I can't encourage you enough to be faithful. Get, if you're not in one, get in one. Because the right people will help speak the right type of thinking in you. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my small group with faulty thinking. Like it was like just a bad day or a bad week and it feels like the end of the world and everything's falling apart and then they just speak some truth into me and they speak some life into me and they speak some love and all of a sudden my thought process begins to change because I'm being around the right people. It's critical. To surround yourself with the right people. Don't hang around negative people. Some of you work with them and you can't necessarily get away from them. Just limit the time with them as much as possible. You want positive, life-giving people speaking into you. Again, this is why Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. We need to be speaking life into each other, motivating each other to acts of love and good works. Why? Because the thought, the motivation, precedes the action. This is why this is critical. You've got to motivate people with the right type of thinking so that they'll produce the right type of doing. goes on to say, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. This is such a big deal to God. He, he connects it to, to the second coming of Christ. I mean, this is huge. This is huge. Here's the fourth one. Find a purpose to land my thoughts. You need a plan, you need a place, you need a person. Now you need a purpose. Now let me, this may not make sense, so let me explain it. One of the healthiest thoughts that you can have about your life is to know why you're here. To know why you exist, to know why you are on planet Earth. Now why is it important for you to have that level of thinking, to, to understand and to think about your purpose and why you're here? Because there's going to be bad days. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be adversity in your life. And when adversity comes, you can have the thought process that this may be bad and this may be tough and, and I really want to give up right now, but I know my purpose. 
I know my purpose. I know why I exist. I know why God has placed me here. And all of a sudden, when you think about your purpose, it gives you drive. It gives you initiative. It gives you motivation to get through the adversity that life throws at you. You see, most people who are miserable today, they're not miserable based on circumstances. They're miserable because they don't know their purpose. I mean, think about it. You go, like I've been to the villages in Africa where people are living in absolute poverty. Their circumstances could not be worse, and yet they're the happiest people you've ever been around. And then I go around North County, and our circumstances could not be any better than they are, and yet you meet some of the most miserable people. Why? It's not based on circumstance. It's based on whether or not you know why you're here. You know why you exist. You know your purpose in life. I'm telling you right now, if God could speak to you right now, there's two things God would say to you. There's two things. He would say, let's settle yesterday. Let me help you. Let me help you let go of some of that baggage and that pain. And then he would say, let's now look at your future because I have a plan for you. I put you here for a reason. I have a purpose for your life. That's why we built our entire church around helping people discover their purpose. Look at the way Paul says in Romans, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me change the way you think. Let me change your thoughts and look at the result. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You change your thinking and you begin to discover God's will for your life. When he begins to renew your thought process, when he begins to renew your mind and the way you think about life, all of a sudden you have this ability to discover your purpose. See, it's what motivates me is knowing why I'm here. It's my purpose. So what's the challenge? Attend the growth track classes. If you've never gone through growth track in our church, start the beginning of February, the the first Sunday of February with step one. Make a commitment this year to go through all four classes. Let us lead you down this process as a catalyst to help you discover your purpose. Step one is coming up in a couple weeks, and step one is all about who we are as a church and why we are as a church and why this is such a big deal to us. We also get in step one how we spend money and what our financial accountability is. What is our governance structure and what is our accountability there? Who do I report to? All of that is covered in step one. And then in step two, we take you through assessments where you begin to discover your purpose and your gift and what makes you unique, your spiritual gifts, your leadership style, and it begins this catalyst to understanding God's purpose for your life. And then here's the last one. You need to find a power. To fuel my thoughts, you you first need a plan, then you need a place, then you need the right people, then you need purpose, and then you need power to fuel the thoughts. Why? What does this mean? Well, when God speaks to you, God ever speaks to you about your life and about your purpose, what God will do is he's going to tell you to do something that is way too big for you. That's what God will do. God will tell you to do something that's impossible for you. He's going to tell you to do something that you don't have the ability to do. And it's actually genius of God to do that. Why? Because it puts you in a place where you have to absolutely depend on him. Like you can't do what he's telling you to do without him. It it, it kind of rigs it that way. But that's how you know whether or not God gets the glory for your life. You see, if you can accomplish the dream of your life on your own, then you get the credit. If you can accomplish your life purpose without God then you get the glory because you did it in your own ability. 
But if you have a purpose for your life and a dream for your life that is bigger than you, that's how you know it's God because it's going to take God to pull off. And only God can get the glory because you're like, I could have done this. Like, I'm not gifted enough, talented enough to pull this off. Like, God had to show up to make this thing happen. And so how does he do it? How does he give you that power? He sends his Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ that dwells within us that fuels our thoughts. I actually have a series coming up this year all on the Holy Spirit. Because one of, the, one of the things you have to realize about Christianity is part of Christianity is supernatural. Part of Christianity you're not going to logically figure out in your head. So I love the way, the, I love who God is, that he's God the Father and he's God the Son and he's God the Spirit. See, the problem for most people is we understand Father, we understand Son because we can visualize those, but most of us have no concept of how to understand Spirit. I love the fact that there's part of God, a third of God, that we can't fully comprehend with our human brain. Because the truth is, if I could fully comprehend God with my human brain, he would not be that impressive. So here's the challenge. Open my life to the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you this year to open your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But this is different to that. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and he seals your salvation. But there's another step of saying, Holy Spirit, I want your power. I don't want you just living inside of me. I want you taking control. I want you active. I want you alive. I want your power flowing through me. And that happens when you ask. If you ask, he'll release it in your life. And here's why it's critical. Isaiah says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. That's a problem for us. Because God wants us to have his thoughts. But the problem is we can't have his thoughts because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So, so how do we bridge that gap? Well, Paul says in Ephesians, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, how? According to the power that works in us. What is that power? The Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit bridges the gap. The Holy Spirit allows us to have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit allows us to have the very thoughts of God in our life. It's the power that fuels our thought process. So I want to end like this. There's, there's a practice that I've recently started doing. I heard a podcast a few months ago from one of my favorite pastors who is just a great leadership guy. It was a leadership podcast for pastors. And he was talking about a discipline that he does every day. It's something that we do in every one of our freedom conferences. If you've ever been to our freedom conference, at the end of every session, we say declarations that are biblically based over our life. And it's powerful because we're declaring God's word and we're declaring God's truth over ourselves, which begins to grab hold of our thinking. And he was talking about, he does this every morning. He wrote out some declarations and it really challenged me to begin to write out my own declarations. And I started doing this recently every morning, and I'm telling you, it has changed my day. It has changed the way I think about people. It's changed the way I think about my, my boys. It's changed the way I think about my wife. It's changed the way I think about my leadership. I'm telling you, when you say this over yourself, it changes your outlook. Why? Because it, it reinforces the right type of thinking. So I just want to share some of mine with you. This... I mean, again, these are mine that I read over myself, 
But I would encourage you to consider doing this for yourself. Consider kind of writing your own. So every morning, I start my day. This is part of my first hour. I say, Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I declare that over myself. I love my wife, and I will lay down my life for her. My boys will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for his kingdom than they can imagine. I love people, and I choose to believe the best about others. I am empowered by the grace of Christ. It is Jesus plus nothing. I do not rely on my own efforts, but I am righteous because of what Christ has done for me. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the selfish and lazy desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day because of Christ. My family is closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. My leadership is sharper. I am empowered and equipped and called to reach people far from God. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I pastor people and develop leaders. That's not something I do. It's who I am. My words, thoughts, and imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and I make them obedient to Christ. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day in my life. Pain is my friend and teacher. I rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I do my best that makes the difference. And then finally, the world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. Can I tell you, it's changed. It changes my outlook on the day. It changes how I approach the day. It changes how I approach decisions. When I declare this over myself every morning, it's changing things in my life. Why? Because the thought precedes the behavior. You've got to feed yourself the right type of thinking. Would you close your eyes with me? Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I ask right now that you would settle upon our minds and settle upon our hearts. You have something for each and every one of us through this message, so I pray that you would speak to each person individually what they are to take home from this message. And you would allow us to take every thought captive and make every thought obedient to Jesus Christ so that we can live the life that we were called to live and take the next steps you've put in front of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand with me? As we close in prayer, as always, our prayer team is going to be available. And here's what I want you to consider today. If you filled out a prayer card, we want you to turn that in but I want you to consider before you turn in that prayer card, would you bring it up to somebody on the prayer team and just let somebody pray with you personally before you turn in the card? It's one of the best things we can offer you today is to have somebody actually pray with you over that before you turn in the card. And then if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, you're not committed or surrendered your life to Jesus before, talk to somebody on our prayer team. We'd love to pray with you about what it means to take that step spiritually and follow Jesus with all of your heart. We're going to worship with one song and then we're going to close.